0: We have to remember, though, that in that opening scene, there is a beautiful uh, moment uh, that should, you know, touch everybody's, you know, heartstrings. When the can the shop owner uh, opens up his his, you know, sort of the, the where the, the counter is, and he opens up the, the the lift up door to let the kids in. And he clocks this one kid right yes. up the brisket. At, at four, four minutes forty eight <laughs> wow. seconds.
1: I'm just so glad at you picked up a Four minutes forty eight
0: seconds. Right yeah, 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 yeah. in the bracket. I mean and she and she and as a pro, dude, she just
2: carries
0: She's method. She's that, method. that was, was that was an
2: R It's the concussion that's she's keeping <laughs> her <name>. down. <method. laughs> <laughs> no, it's the candy. She's she's uh, in a world of pure imagination. After getting hit by that dog. I think the rest of the, what, the film is actually a, her coma.
3: Absolutely.
0: Dream. Yeah. <laughs> what a pure hallucination yeah. you mean? The- <laughs> yeah. It's a flip top, bar like you know, like the, like you're getting a Well, this is what, it's like a bar, you know? It uh, is, and it really he flips is. It up because her show you can and <laughs> she's out of there <laughs> Welcome, 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 dear listeners. Episode 2 of Season 2 of Back to the Pictures. Thank you for joining us as we take you for a trip down memory lane. But, as Mrs. Doubtfire once said, you don't have to pack your bags because we're going in our minds. This is the movie review podcast that urges listeners, don't talk to anyone, don't touch anything, don't do anything, don't interact with anyone, and try not to look at anything. Just listen to our dulcet tones and you'll be in good hands. We. Are three university friends who lived, studied, and danced to Candy by Cameo together in Manchester between 2005 and 2009. And somewhere in between these three activities, we watched an ungodly amount of movies. Now, in our ever cynical and ex- existential 30s, we think it's a perfect time to rewind, rewatch, recontextualize, and if necessary, ravage these treasured movies from our past. Join us as we dust off motion pictures. Movies, flicks, films, features, and of course, pictures from a simpler time. And to get the business out of the way first, if you even half like this show, if it even gives you cause to smile for one moment of your day, please hit that subscribe button for us. And if you want to go the extra mile, please leave a generous review. We want to grow our audience. We've had some really cool but random locations, people in Europe, Asia, North South America, all downloaded. Either that or some of our friends have very elaborate VPNs. Either way, we want more, so please, <laughs> let us be heard and help us spread the word. I am one of your hosts, Ben. Shut up and tell me where the ticket is, Rose.
3: I'm
2: Anton. The suspense is terrible. I hope you will be the best. Oh, good to be. And I'm Ian. Hungry. Green. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> What else would it be?
1: That was Augustus Blue. How do you feel, Augustus? (laughs) Hungry. Hungry.
3: People Uh, do not understand how appropriate that that introduction was for Ian. That's all I'm going
0: to (laughs) say. I wasn't, and then I was. Tell me, Dr. Green, where are we going this time?
2: The year is 1971, and the movie is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory.
0: Boom. Nailed it. Based on the Roald Dahl 1961 book of a similar title, it was called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And this film is a musical fantasy film, uh, I believe is the technical term. And it was named differently because the financial backers of the film, Quaker, uh, insisted the title be changed because they wanted to start manufacturing Wonka branded candies and candy bars. Well, so that they was a the title the- change.
3: That was apparently one of the reasons the title was changed. Oh, there were many reasons the title may have been changed. So as you can imagine, but- the word Charlie back in the day was used for a ma- a many different things. Um, not like Not least what? the Viet Cong. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, not wow. Least, not least the Viet Cong. Not least Mr. Charlie, which was used by African-Americans. Or whether or not it was a whole thing about people being, the producers being worried about the fact that people wouldn't say, I went to go see Charlie and not know what people were talking about. Whereas if they say, I went to go see Willy Wonka, they'd all know it was about the film.
0: <laughs> I'd say either way, Gives you an idea of just how fucked up the production of this film was. Oh, 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 Lord. (laughs) And with that in mind, it is a milestone moment for Back to the Pictures. This week, we welcome our very first guest star. This distinguished gentleman has obtained the golden ticket in joining us this week. I've known him since I was very young. Uh, He is uniquely suited to join for this week's review. He was a prop maker. On the 2005 remake of this very film, called Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, uh, amongst a plethora of other movies such as Doom, Aeon Flux, X-Men First Class, World War Z, uh, Wrath of the Titans, he is the Horn Snozzling, Snoz Wangling, Vinicius Kinid, and also he happens to be my dear brother. Please welcome Adam Rose to the podcast. Hey! Hello. Hey! All right, sluts. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Just want to say oh, one thing. Sorry, I okay. came. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. Boom! No, no, um, no. Thank you for having me on the uh, on the podcast. I've been I've been dying to get to this fucking show for uh, for months. <laughs> and fi- finally, nepotism has paid off. You know, um, but I feel like uh, in terms of uh, this evening, I think this is the podcast where most of my dreams become a reality and most of my realities, realities become dreams.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's getting Can us. you he stop showing you us up, please? This is our no. show. Yeah. My, show. <laughs> my show. My show. I'm <laughs> singing. <laughs> I'm singing. I'm singing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Adam, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Uh, you know, you're an extremely modest guy, but just give us a little bit of background of uh, your work in the film industry. Yes I uh, I started as a uh, as a was a prop runner um a long long time ago in a galaxy far far away um and worked my way up through the uh through the prop department ranks um, junior prop maker moved on to uh, senior roles and in into management and uh a couple of years in, in between where I uh just sort of dipped out of the industry for a while but then then came back uh a couple of years uh, a couple of years ago and I've uh I've sort of headed more towards the, um, the, the the senior creative roles in film and TV. So I take on a lot of uh, prop master, art director, a bit of set dressing uh, or set decorator, should I say. So these are more creative roles for me where I'm not sitting at the bench making, you know, guns and gadgets all day, but I'm using my creativity and my imagination to tell stories and drive narrative with props and, and objects and things that help give Context to both audience and actor, and really build layers of background to every scene that you see and every character that you watch. Um, yeah, right. Anton told you not to show us up. Sorry, yeah, I was going to say gonna it's,
3: <laughs> it's it's so like uh, like genuinely. I mean, aside from obviously the obvious reasons why we have Adam on, and he was always going to be one of our first guests anyway, because he just fits perfectly into it. it. And like I said, we, we've I think we've actually probably spoken about how Ben and Adam basically grew up speaking in film quotes. And then as myself and Ian obviously have kind of grown into the family as well, it literally is the four of us will just end up communicating in just film quotes. So aside from that, for that perfection alone, it, it couldn't be better for this particular film.
0: I don't see you as, as friends. You're both, you know, you're brothers to Ben, which means you're a brother to me. Uh, I've known Ian longer than I've known Anzon, of course, because Ian and Ben went to school together. I mean, I was going to say that I've I've known Ian since he was, you know, a little guy, but he was fucking six two when he was born, so I can't can't say that for sure. But um yes, as far as I'm concerned, I have uh I have three brothers. So yeah, def- definitely a a family family affair today for sure. Yeah, I mean working in film and TV, you know, but be- you know, there's a long long line of, of film and TV professionals in the family going back to uh great uncle Cyril, who was a sound engineer on classic Ray Harryhausen films, Clash of the Titans. Jason and the Argonauts, uh, Tina, who lives in the States, Sarah in her own right, very good actress. Ben also followed in the family's footsteps as well. So really, there's quite a few of us uh, that have been in and amongst, you know, either in front of the camera or behind the camera. And my contribution to uh, to, to the UK film and TV industry, I would say, has been quite significant. Um, I think if you calculate the financial impact of my personal involvement, (laughs) I mean, we're talking numbers like, I don't know, around about £9.40 or something <laughs> like that.
3: What I've contributed I'm somewhere sorry, I'm, around sorry, ballpark I'm sorry I laughed before I it, be but you know when you know someone, right? I was <laughs> like, she's going to be freaking brilliant. That
0: <laughs> <laughs> could be off, of course, but it's somewhere around, somewhere around that ballpark. Um, it's my personal contribution to the industry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but uh, yeah, psyched to be here. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Which direction we are going? So why don't we start with the big hitters. Um, Willy Wonka, played by Gene Wilder. From the producers to Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, See no Evil, no Evil, and what's the novel time number one? Can't Look Past Stir Crazy. Man. Stir Crazy. What a film. Stir if you haven't seen it, easy. folks. What an actor. And, and, and not only that, but when you think of Gene, he wasn't just an actor. I mean, man could write as well. I mean, he was... He had writer credits on a lot of films that, uh, that he did with Mel Brooks, which no one, you know, might not have, uh, noticed. But his, his, his involvement in writing and developing scripts is as noteworthy as his performances on screen. But what an actor. Yeah. I mean, he's just one of the, he's one of those actors who has a body of work that you can always go back to when you've had a bad day. Always a film that just makes you, uh, that can cheer you up.
3: That's exactly kind of why he got the part. So. As they, had, they had a few people that they wanted to go for it. Um, from such names as Fred Astaire, who, funny enough, actually did want to go for it, but at the time, felt he was too old. Um, but the story goes that quite a few people auditioned, and then Jim came in. We know it's him, right? But let's not be overly excited because we need to like negotiate his salary and stuff. Apparently, the second he turned out and started walking out the door, Mel <laughs> just chased him. It was like, you've got the part! <laughs> and it was literally just the fact that he was like, Willy Wonka is, is in some ways an actually ridiculously scary character, right? And it's the fact that Gene Wilder is so lovable in himself, regardless of however he
0: depicts things, that it just works. Peter Ostrom as Charlie Bucket, who never made another film for as long as he lived. At least not yet, he's still alive. Um, but yep. uh, yeah, he, he he never made another film don't know why there's no um there's no stories no rumors about his disappointment or or any bad feelings or any negative experiences he had on the set of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory but he just never acted again Julie Dawn Cole as Baruch Salt's. oh what's the name again Julie Dawn Cole Julie Dawn Cole oh you're a little BFF. uh please you friend tell, tell no tell Anthony Ian how you're <laughs> How the two of you uh, got together? No, I'm sure I already told you. What? Yes, what now? hell? More than, me. We more know. than friends. More than friends. There's, um, a, there's only one reason why she agreed to go on Ben's show. And I, I can't <laughs> remember. You know, this is a this is a PG rated show. <laughs> I can't <laughs> tell you the ins and outs. What is <laughs> happening right now? Me, me, Me. star of the show, to come on his uh, his. his okay, okay, show. okay. <laughs> Absolutely nothing he just said is true except she was on the wonderful world of chocolate, which was my. Uh, one of my Magnus Opuses, of course. Uh, she was a guest on it. Uh, you know, it's it's not Walking with Dinosaurs or The House Through Time or Frozen Planet. But, you were texting each other daily, you bastard. We, we were doing The Wonderful for World purposes. of Chocolate and all I said was, if we're doing a show about chocolate, why not do a section about the most famous film about chocolate of all time? So... Uh, the execs liked it, and we ended up, you know, reunite the the the, character, the cast from the original factory. And uh, obviously, I'm clearly not that great of a producer because only Julie turned up. You <laughs> know uh, I mean, why? Uh, she was on the show. She was lovely, um, very very lovely. I'll talk you know, talk about that later. But she was uh, very happy to be involved and. I tried to get Denise Nickerson, who played Violet Beauregard. Uh, unfortunately she died that year, so she was already not well. Uh, Denise and Julia were friends until the end. They actually were they were good friends their whole life. Um And uh, Augustus Gloop, um Michael Boner, uh, he he would he would he wanted to be on it, but he wanted us to pay first class for him to come in from Germany. And put him up in a five star hotel and I was like, this is channel five, man. Yeah, you've got nothing like that in the coffers. I've got the um, Premier Inn, best Yeah, do you know what I mean? So yeah, that's that's the story. There's no, there was no there was no scrum happening I mean, on the uh, on that production. No, but you'd like to have fudge middle delight. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: how funny and this is probably this is probably going to go into we're going to go into a lot more details in this unfortunately for the rest of the podcast I'm but sorry, it GDP's. was literally just like what, what what bar I want the biggest one but well, then you want the scum <laughs> <laughs> in let's
0: just round up the cast <laughs> Paris <laughs> pa- pa- uh, Paris Themon as Mike TV um, in the book his name is Herpes Trout um, yes. which I just thought was, Out. yeah, yeah, he wasn't Mike TV in the book. He was her piece of trout. That's uh, unfortunate. unfortunate. Um, never done another film either. Uh, and then talk about another non actor, never done a film before or since was Diane May Soye, who played Mrs. Bucket. Um, well, I think she did two other roles, but I'd never heard of them. Uh, also, that wasn't her real scene but She was dubbed. So, no,
2: right, There's sorry, some crazy dubs. There's tell. some insane dubs in this uh, in Yeah. The film. Well, we're getting
0: to so uh, it. The only other person worth noting is Jack Alberton, who, of course, played Grandpa Joe. And there is a lot to say about Grandpa Joe that we'll get into.
2: All our reviewed movies are rated U. This stands for University Standard. And seeing as students generally have lower standards than most other classes of people, fewer discretion is advised.
0: Famously, Roald Dahl did the outline for the script for this film, but uh, David Seltzer wrote the actual script that we all know and enjoy. Uh, And then there was a third writer brought in for the vast number of little interludes and vignettes uh, that happened throughout the film, and that was Robert Cuffman. Cuffman, Uh, It'll give you, it's no surprise, the cantankerous, prejudiced, dull like I say, unsurprisingly, fell out with everyone involved and disowned the project, and uh, the studio rightly identified the need to keep his name on the slate to preserve the credibility of the film. So his name remains on the credits. Um, I mean, what I can't understand is that Roald Dahl signed up in the first place given Mel Stewart, the director, was Jewish. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) given given (laughs) Dahl's open and candid views of the Jews as a race, I'm surprised he didn't see his own displeasure coming. Crazy pre-production process. Um, only other note uh, of the pre-production was that it's pretty much all filmed in Germany. Am I right? Correct.
3: Yeah, yeah. Munich. Yeah. That was going to be my first question. That was gonna be my, I was like, where is this film? Like, I was like, I what I Europeans? So obviously we see we see Europe and we're like, yo, that's Europe. But then I heard a British accent, and then that kid, one kid, was in the most American, like Midwest accent <laughs> ever, and I was like, what is happening? Like. Where is this film? And, they, and funny enough, that's exactly what they were going for. Again, it was the whole fact that it was meant to be a little bit jarring, and that you had so many things going on. And it was meant to be its own space, which is why they chose to do it in Munich.
0: There's so there are so many little Easter eggs in the film that kind of allude to it being set in America, but there's just no way, given oh, all the other counter evidence. I mean, the, the remake Adam was it was I know because I felt I visited the the set. It's in Pinewood, right? Oh man, we, uh, the, yeah, so the, the the remake was filmed, uh, predominantly at Pinewood Studios in Ivorheath, Buckinghamshire, as well as some location, um, uh, bits and pieces. There's a scene in the remake where the young Willy Wonka is, uh, there's a flashback sequence, or or maybe not flashback, but maybe he's, there's a scene where he's telling his father that he's going to go off and see the world. And there's a there's this there's this, there's this uh, vignette of a young Willy Wonka walking, and there's all these flags of every country in the world sort of passing him in the background, and it looks to the audience as though he's like you know this is his trip all around the world like he promised, and then in reality he's at a flag museum and all he's walking all he, you know he's walking down a corridor with <laughs> flags, uh, and no, that corridor amazing. that corridor that he walks down. Is just like the, uh, it's like a corridor within, within the, 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 Pinewood Studio, uh, office and admin areas. It's the same corridor that you would have seen Barbara Windsor walking down during her scenes in, you know, Carry On Doctor. That corridor is used uh, a lot of the time for, uh, for <laughs> interior shots. So they not only did they use the sound stages at Pinewood, I think it was A, B, C, and D, which were the first four, uh, sound stages to be built on the Pinewood lot, um, when J. Arthur Rank, uh sort of turned the the or developed the land around his mansion into a working studio so uh sort of a b c and d were the first sound stages to be built there and 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 charlie was in all of those and uh, and, and other locations around you know the, the actual studio within the uh the admin building so yeah lots of lots of areas we used well that, that backdrop though we went i took ben to uh for a set visit um I got to tell you that this is when the the back the back lot at Pinewood was still the back lot because it's all changed there now. There's there's not one part of it that I actually remember from the old days, um, but the back lot is where they built Charlie's Town and and Ben will tell you because I I took him there for a set visit. We uh we didn't really have much authority to to be there. We had no business walking on the back lot, but I was I was on the production, uh, so I had some semi clearance, and I said Ben was my uh, proper assistant uh to the security guy who was there on a Saturday, no less. He believed that a sixteen year old was his proper system. Yeah. Um and he went to ask Ben uh, if that was true and I grabbed Ben's face and said, sorry, unfortunately Ben is a mute. Um, <laughs> and we managed to uh to we managed to, to, to get onto the back lot, which is not uh it's not a done thing. It never has been, you know, the back lot or or any part of a, a film set is off limits to any members of the public. And even if you're on production, you've got to have a pretty good reason for being there. But I've got to tell you boys, that you know, what they built on that backlog was astonishing. I mean it never ceases to amaze me the level of detail these set construction teams go through when building these uh these environments. It was just the detail um uh, was you know was on another level. And um there's also uh there's a scene, if you've seen the remake there's a scene where Charlie, that's the new Charlie, 2005 Charlie, is looking at the factory. And in this particular scene, the reason why the factory is so far away in the distance, I think it's trying to symbolize the fact that this is where Charlie wants to to go. This is like the Mecca for Charlie. Yeah. And they have it so far in the distance that it's kind of met, it's like a metaphor for just how far out of his reach yeah, exactly. this, this, this place is. And the way we did that... Um, The actual chocolate factory was only really 20 feet uh, in front of you if you were standing there. But on camera, it looked like it was, you know, uh, I guess, streets and streets and streets, you know, uh, in the distance. It's a a movie technique that we call forced perspective. Um, And forced perspective, I don't know if you know, it's where you make something appear to be further away than it actually is in real life. So to make that chocolate factory appear that it was going way off into the distance, we had a model. Of the Wonka factory, made in scale, sat on the top of a rostrum, and then we made the street appear as though it was going, going off in the distance by creating. Uh, so, if you can imagine street lights and and houses and cars, they got smaller and smaller in yeah. scale yeah. as they got closer to the factory. So, when you stand there, you could you know you are within arm's reach of this chocolate factory, but on from a camera's point of view. When you see it on screen, it looks like it's, you know, way off in the distance. And we made streetlights that got smaller, like increments in terms of scale, like got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So from full size down to miniature size. And the cars and houses were made, you know, incrementally smaller as you got closer to the factory. Oh, just a very, very clever piece of uh, yeah. of, of filmmaking, uh, it's impressive. You know, filmmaking technique. That's one thing that I remember more than anything, seeing all the... Incredible, which we'll get into, you know, everything about the chocolate room. The thing I, I remember the most is seeing that perspective and up close, no offense, it just looked so much like a just, it was just a picture, it was just a drawing. It just looked like a, a, a painted backdrop, but when you see it on film, it it, it, it pops. It's incredible. Very good stuff. Thank you for that. Um, Maestro, play that trailer.
1: I'd like a bar of chocolate, please. My dear friends, you are now about to enter the nerve center to the entire Wonka factory. Inside this room, all of my dreams become realities, and some of my realities become dreams. Boys and girls, the chocolate
0: room.
2: Come with me, and you'll be
0: in a
1: world of pure imagination.
0: Take a look.
1: And you'll see
0: into your imagination. What is this, Wonka? Some kind of fun house. Why, having fun?
1: We are the music makers. And we are the dreamers of dreams. (laughs) How did you like the chocolate factory, Charlie? I think it's the most wonderful place in the whole world. Everybody, so shines a good deed in a weary world. This is kind of strange, yes, but it's fun, Charlie. Don't forget what happened to the man who suddenly got everything he always wanted. What happened? He
0: lived happily ever after. At this point, we warn you moving forward, spoilers come thick and fast. Faster than Grandpa Joe shook off the certain and unavoidable effects of osteoporosis. So, if you want to pause the podcast here and go watch the movie, that's cool. And if you don't mind, let's crack on. Are we all good? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. Are we ready to move on? We are. Yep. Great. We have so much time and so little to talk about. Wait, wait. Strike that. Oh, oh I like. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it would be a really nice treat to let our guest read the plot summary. let yeah? to that? Yeah? Oh. Me. Adam, take us away. Well, you're very kind. Um, okay. Yeah. Charlie Bucket is a poor paper boy. In fact, let me tell you something about paperboy You'll, you'll, you'll <laughs> give him a laugh at This is crazy. <laughs> You didn't when, get through the first line. When I was when I was 40, 13, 14, dad said I had to go out and start earning money to pay mum housekeeping because, you know, a fourteen year old boy shouldn't be buying sweets and comics. You know, you've got to you know put some money into the to the family nest egg. So I went to get a paper round and we had a, a paper shop that was, you know, on the high street where we lived. And um, I applied for the paperboy job and I got it. And um yeah, I didn't last I didn't last the round. I, um, I spent, what? yeah. So I got up at like five in the morning, took my bike down to the shop, picked up my, uh, my bag of papers and, and rode back. And I didn't finish the round. I went back to the shop with a bag still filled up with newspapers. And the guy goes, the fuck are you doing back here with a bag full of newspapers? And I said, I couldn't find any of the houses. And, uh, he said, dude, we gave you the road that you live on. We gave you <laughs> your own road to deliver. And, I, and you drove around for two hours on your bike looking for, for the first house. I didn't, yeah, I didn't. I didn't.
1: <laughs>
3: wait, I know, wait, I wait, back. wait, wait, wait. How did wait, wait.
0: Myself, how do you wait I, what? How did you not know it was your... Exactly, life? I don't get Listen, it. I thought I was confident in knowing where all of the houses were because I know where my house is. And I thought, <laughs> well, if I know where my house is, I must know where everyone else's house is. But they gave me the papers... But all you had to do was count down from forty-eight. You would think it was that simple. I couldn't find number fifty-two; it didn't exist. It was like the house, the house on the it corner, or something. It, it just wasn't there. So I'm riding around for two hours on a on a winter's day, and I delivered no papers that day. I went back to the shop, handed back a a, a paper boy's bag filled with newspapers, and they were like, what the "Fuck is this?" So it's like it's like a leopard walked into the shop. I felt about as welcome as a fart in a spacesuit. They were just like they could not believe. <laughs> that someone who lived on the road could not deliver papers to his own neighbours, so that's it really did like, last like, long. Surely,
3: be really like, surely that you're like you, there must have been some houses on the street where you were just like it's got to be them, right?
0: Or did, did they tell you if, it, was, it must? They must have told you it was your street, right? If anyone is listening who lives at number fifty-four, where the fuck is your house? <laughs> <laughs> where are you? <laughs> <laughs> fifty-four.
1: Doesn't exist.
0: <laughs> so I'm riding around. I'm I'm getting tearful. I'm starting getting emotional because it's my own road. Oh. And the school's about to start. And I've been driving around for two hours on a bike. That fucking BMX. The blue BMX yeah. with the Kellogg's. You know the, the things you used to get free in the in the series. Oh, and they run, were sick
3: on the tires. Right? Yeah.
0: Yes, my brother. You know. You no, know. I'm a damn straight. Yeah, and,
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, on the spokes.
0: Didn't last. Didn't last one round. But. Uh, But Charlie Bucket is a uh, is a is a poor paper boy who often looks inside a candy shop, but cannot afford to buy any sweets. Going home one evening, he passes Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, where a tinker tells him that nobody ever goes in, nobody ever comes out. Now Charlie's bedridden grandpa Joe reveals that Wonka had shut down the factory because rival confectioners were sending in spies to steal his recipes. Production resumed three years later, but. The gates remain locked, and the original workers never return to their jobs to prevent more sabotage, leaving their replacements a total mystery. I guess you can see why this movie was an instant classic for children at the time—not uh, commercial success, but you know, kids always loved it. it. You know, it would and did totally engross children with the chocolate over the opening credits, and then that—you know—you boom, you're in the sweet shops like you've never seen them. Probably because it's not how st- sweet shops actually operate. But, um, you know, it's a perfect start. Um Bill's Candy Shop looks like Mr. Sims. Or it actually does. more like Mr. Sims clearly modelled itself after Bill's Candy Shop.
3: Oh, the sweet shop. What's your favourite? Yeah, yeah.
0: The Candy Man.
2: Yeah, well, it's called Bill's.
3: Yeah, Bill's. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Do you know that growing up, that's what sweet shops used to be. They used to have the big glass jars and you would go in and buy bags of like ten piece Sweets and... That's not since we've remember. been alive. Oh, d- Well, the movie's set in
0: 1920, right? The movie's set in 19... 19- well, we know. We don't know where the movie's
2: set. I believe... Yeah, the whole... Yeah. I
0: believe... It's definitely not 1920s. It's set in the 1920s. No, absolutely not. There's TV. No, TV. Th- TV. There's yeah, TV there's the in TV. every household. Yeah, exactly. Even yeah. in the poorest household. Yeah. The so 40s. 50s. 60s. 50s, something. Probably no, probably we'll get there.
3: Probably not... Probably like... Well, the, again... To go back to it, like I said, Mel wanted to be, uh, that you didn't, you couldn't really tell what it was. It was its own world. That was the whole point of it. To the point where even people like, um, Sammy Davis Jr. wanted to play the Candyman and they were like, nah, you're too famous. Him and, uh, Anthony Newman, who actually wrote a lot of the songs as well, they were like, hmm. nah, you're too famous. We want, we, we, we don't want to take away from the kind of world that they're in and make it its own, which is why obviously a lot of people, aside from some major names, were in the film as well.
0: But, um, but the opening I'm, scene and on, you know, with the with the music, the music kicks in pretty quick to that, with that, I'm gonna with say, that there, uh, movie. There is something magical. Within ten right? seconds, they're singing a dance already.
3: Absolutely, like with, there's something magical about that. Like, the, I don't even, I mean, even before that, I mean, literally as the chocolate is coming down, I was, I just say, right? I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, like lose weight, get a little trim. I watched this film on a fucking calorie deficit. Yeah, that shit was <laughs> was annoying as hell. The different layers and flavors of chocolate oh, I was just was like, so what good. the hell? Man, I was like, this is annoying. And then they've got the song going on in the back as well. And it's just like,
0: it is, it is, it's a weird trip. Do you know what I mean? It's like, a although, near- although two, two girls, one cups kind of ruined that opening sequence for me. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, two girls, two girls, mate,
3: normal life has ruined that sequence for me. Mate, that shot, they pedophile's dream. Like, what the <laughs> <God> <laughs> <fuck>? <laughs> Like, you don't even pay. The kids just come in, he gives them a fucking LSD, eat that shit and go in the back. What? It's, <laughs> it's like it's these kids crazy. have a fucking tab. Like, it's why is Charlie not in there
0: picking up all the shit?
3: Exactly, crazy. why is he even bothered <laughs> about paying?
0: I mean, the guy is
2: literally serving them frozen margaritas. Did you see those? Absolutely. Like, Shotkeeper is giving shit away. That, that, that Charlie yeah. is so poor, he's not allowed the free sweets that they can have. <laughs> <laughs> That's how poor Charlie is.
0: Uh, uh, also, Ian, that
2: reminds me of your childhood. <laughs> 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 My uh, credit we card. Just,
0: there is, though, there, there is like one. Yeah. No, your, your Oxfam discount
2: card. Oxfam discount card. Yeah.
0: We have to remember, though, that in that opening scene, there is a beautiful uh, moment uh, that should you know touch everybody's you know heartstrings when the can the shop owner uh, opens up his his you know sort of the, the where the the counter is and he opens up the the, the lift up door to let the kids in. And he clocks this one kid. He yes. up the biscuit At, at
1: four, four minutes, 48 <laughs> seconds.
0: <laughs> i so glad you four minutes, 48 seconds. Right yeah, 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 yeah. in the bracket. I mean, and she, and she, and as a pro, dude, she just carries. Yeah. She's She's method. She she's method. That was an R-U-K.
2: It's the concussion that's keeping her method. No, it's the candy. She's she's in a world of pure
0: imagination. After getting the I think the rest of the, the film is actually of, her coma absolutely. dream.
3: <laughs> what a pure hallucination! Yeah. You mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It's a flip top bar, like you know, like the, like you get in a. Well, this is what, it's like a bar, you know, it is, and it really he flips is. it up. Because her a show, you get, she's out of there. You know, the uh, shopkeeper calls that kid uh, Finkelgruber. Uh, that is a nod to the book. Is the book Finkelgruber? He is a spy of Slugworths. All, right. All right. So that was a nice little nod to uh, in the book there. Cause he goes, well, what do you want, Finkel Gruber? So th- what, what I was going to add as an addendum is narratively, we're immediately drawn to Charlie with sympathy for this poor little, well, let's face it, urchin um, in this blue polo neck, whom is cruelly denied the opportunity to develop childhood diabetes. And <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> Wasn't this just typical of musicals at the time? You've got Annie and Oliver, and you know, Charlie is of that same ilk. Uh, it's the worries is me story of Charlie. He continues you know, we continue seeing him uh in this dire position. He needs a job to support his family, he gets paid for his paper route. Uh I love how Mr. Jopek styles out that he was hoping Charlie wouldn't remember that it was Payday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, <"It's> Payday, Mr. Jopek. <laughs> He's like, oh shit. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Um, Alright, go on, Ansel, because yeah, I was going to say, next thing you know, he's walking home after dark. Yeah, he's
3: walking home. But like you said, and to to add to that as well, it's also not, aside from it just being the fact that, like you said, the person, the the lovable kid, it's the fact that he's a good lovable kid as well. So he's like, aside from loving him, he's just a stand up kid as well, despite his situation, right? So it just makes you root for him so much more. (laughs) And then he gets accosted by some by, by an R-repeater file this time
1: who fucking says
3: like why, why the fuck is he walking around with the biggest set of knives like some kind like he's walking around with some kind of like Yakuza like supplier right and then and then he's just like he walks in and then he's just like no one gets in no one gets out bruv what he's like who are you report this shit to the police right now <laughs>
2: Do- doesn't he, break he his was, contract he was, as he backs no. away as well. Just and
3: you never see him again! And, you, and they're like, oh, that's the tinkerer. No, man, that's a fucking murderer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he is a pure, unadulterated battle exposition. Like, In, he has got honestly, nothing to do except just dump a load of story on us. Absolutely. And he is, I mean, a tinker is a travelling um, odd Crazy job guy, him. right? Yeah. Yeah. Just fixes things. But why he has fucking... Yeah, like an like knives Stafford.
2: Exactly. No, yeah. I think they're tradesmen tinkers, aren't they? Where they, uh, they just trade anything for anything. It's just like... Dude, this, this guy wasn't a
0: tinker. He was pretending he was a fucking vagrant. And he... All I'm saying is he was a lot of, selling
3: in the wrong place. He said that's East London, mate. He'd he
0: make a killing over there, quite <laughs> literally. <laughs> so, I thought the real shock of the first act was when we go... We follow Charlie home. And find out he is living in squalor with his grandparents and his mum. The smell of those four OAP stewing in that bed oh for twenty years Lord, must be the kind that oh. burns the eyes, the nose, the
3: throat. <laughs> Just think of the bedsores. And as if it wasn't bad enough, it, as if it wasn't bad enough, they're eating cabbage water. What's right. in the? Can you imagine the of All that, what's in the name of all that is holy is cabbage water? <laughs> like, dear God. <laughs>
2: What what I loved is now really you know crazy. why the mum works in <laughs> the laundrette.
1: <Lord> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and uh, he says, uh, oh, you're eating that's your dinner? He's like, it's yours too, Charlie. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what <is that>? <laughs> <laughs> I'm eating your fucking dinner, little one. <laughs> <laughs> this, I Don't get too big for your <laughs> fucking <laughs> boots. <laughs> his granddad is far more sinister, I think, than this guy. He film. is. Oh, so, he's, he's an arsehole. It's,
3: it's actually a really good point. He's like... <laughs> are you eating that you're going to be fucking it as well you (laughs) ungrateful shit
0: (laughs) we saw what happens when manufacturers stop production just for a year during COVID-19 of course they're telling us that Wonka shut down for three years imagine all the stock that had to go into liquidation how much does it cost just to keep the lights on there (laughs) three
2: years yeah, but he was probably the top anyway. Do you know what I mean he was probably like the apple of chocolate? Yeah, but if, if they stop, if apple stopped,
0: just stopped dead in their tracks for three years, didn't make anything, didn't sell anything for three years, there was no Wonka bars on the shelves. Yeah, but you just so three years would, late,
2: also turn everything off and get rid of all your stuff, fire all your, all your staff other than yourself. What then, I mean, oh, Surely he has got to pay council about. tax. I
3: mean, Willy Wonka had slaves. <laughs> Yeah, he had the slaves. I mean, opolumpers. So exactly. yeah, sure took, he... it, it took him years to get them.
0: He had to go and find those slaves. See, the the, the transatlantic slave trade—you know—didn't happen overnight. <laughs>
2: you you got to love how much backstory they put into the opolumpers to make sure that you was fully aware they were not slaves. It's just oh, like, right. oh, they grew oh, up right, in the ch- worst place in existence. They, they Where's changed- that? Oh! <laughs> Not Africa! We're, Not we're Africa. gonna make up an entirely new place that doesn't. And, and, and fake monsters to cover it. It's like oh.
1: So
3: coincidentally, right? Dahl, one of the reasons Rodal got really pissed off with this film was because they changed so much of it. And it's funny because do you know the Uncle you know what they are in the book? Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Please don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The African pygmies.
2: Oh. <laughs> they, wear, they, wear deer, <laughs> they wear deer
1: skin.
3: <laughs> I live in trees.
2: I live in trees. <laughs>
3: So the like, no, okay, we need to, we need to, we need to remove, remove that, so let's make them orange and, with green hair.
0: <laughs> Wonka announces that he has hidden five golden tickets in Chocolate Wonka Bars. Now, finders of these tickets will receive a factory tour and a lifetime supply of chocolate. Now, the first four tickets are found by gluttonous German boy, Augustus Gloop, the spoiled daughter of a wealthy English father, Beryl Gasol, and from the United States, a constantly gum-chewing girl, Violet Beauregard, and the television-obsessed boy, Mike TV. As each winner is announced on television, a sinister-looking man appears and whispers to each of them. When they find the first golden ticket in Germany, the news reporter goes to the map behind him on the wall, and instead of putting like a pin... Into the the place yes. that is Germany, he puts a fucking brick yeah the map, <laughs> I'm so covering all okay. of Germany. I'm so glad and half of, I'm so, you know. The I'm so glad you said Europe, that because I thought I was being else up. who finds a golden ticket in that zone. <laughs> I genuinely thought I was being. <laughs> I, it's I, so I true.
1: You know,
0: can't put it there. You have to fucking find somewhere
3: else in that. I genuinely thought um, I would be pernickety when he did it. I was just like, what? the That's a big ass fucking one, like. <laughs>
0: I'm so glad that someone else noticed that as well oh, yeah. I noticed something else about that guy, he's got a magic eight ball on his desk he's probably been trying to ask him where to find the golden tickets <laughs> it's probably there. I think that and I think Adam would agree this, these interludes, these little cutaways are the best parts of the film um, the ones that are just peppered throughout because it just makes the whole thing so fucking quirky it, uh, you know you know, you know when it's the uh, when it's the auction because this is the last uh, box of Wonka bars in the UK do I have 1000 pounds 2000 pounds Like that your majesty it's <laughs> like yeah it's <laughs> 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 that the is,
1: last case of Wonka it literally bars
3: it
0: is it's just it's just so ridiculous it literally is an unsung hero of the first act is Mr. Turkentine my favorite character in the movie this movie doesn't take this movie is, it's winking at the audience by saying, like, this is a fantasy, nothing makes sense, the teacher is absolutely out of his mind.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. He's making nitric acid and glycerine with an unspecified th- third ingredient, <laughs> so he's exactly. surely making TNT.
3: Here's <laughs> the funny thing, right? <laughs> I've written, do you want to hear my notes? Let me, <laughs> I'm just going to read my notes, as is, teacher, hyphen. What's a cunt? <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Natural blissing <laughs> in a school, and then he just fucking leaves it to go buy some fucking candy. <laughs> what the I'm hell?
0: Glad, uh, I'm glad Offset weren't in on that day. That's
1: for
0: sure. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I'm glad <Offset> weren't in. <laughs> there's Absolutely, some, there's some there's some safeguarding issues in that scene. Uh, I, I need to. I need to. I need to read uh, what he says because he do, he does some amazing. Oh, um, soliloquies, <laughs> nice. right. So he goes. When he goes, what do you do? You know the answer, Charlie? He Goes. Uh, I don't know. He goes. Well, of course you don't know. You don't know because only I know. If you knew and I didn't know, then you'd be teaching me instead of me teaching you. And for a student to be teaching his teacher is presumptuous and rude. Do I make myself clear? <laughs> it's really brilliant. So the film um, inciting incident. Uh, happens and it's so simple, it's almost criminal. Uh We find out that Wonka's hid five tickets in his Wonka bars, and the finder gets a lifetime supply of chocolate. Game fucking up, right? Mm-hmm.
3: And then we get the we also get Pr- the we also get the blatantly Nazi. I'm gonna say it, pedo, <laughs> who is literally just, as soon as every kid turns up, he's just like, why is everyone okay with that? Why is it okay? With everyone okay with the massive, blatantly German Nazi-looking person? With, this, with with the categorical scarf packed with horse hair to make him even look more vicious, right? <laughs> and he's this guy right. he's literally talking... To, it's like, what the hell?
0: Well, I've got a theory that this guy is a Time Lord. And I'm giving him the <laughs> Baker Capaldi Gatwa trophy. Uh, I'm, not going, I'm going with that because otherwise it's a Wilfred Award and for a fantasy film, I just don't think it works. So... That's the only way this guy could be in all these fucking places at once. Everywhere.
3: <laughs> everywhere. and He everywhere. always knows, he always knows when someone's got to eat. In, in a position of influence. Exactly. It's absolutely mental.
0: Ugh. Yeah. I mean, he, it's pretty shadow, sh- uh, shady. Um, yeah. well, he makes his way into Mike TV's house. Yeah. He's got a microphone and he's, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he's uh, posing as a, as a reporter. But he, What you mean is he goes from Germany... Yeah. back to the US, yeah. Back, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also posing as an employee of whatever it is that suits his goals. My only yeah, problem exactly. is those tickets, there's five golden tickets, and there's billions and billions of Wonka bars. Yeah. The probability of finding five of those tickets exactly. in and amongst all of those billions exactly. of products exactly. would take longer than the five okay. days that they Okay. Well, I, I crunched the numbers. And in the 1970s, the world population was about half what it is now so let's just say it was 3.5 billion I can't believe that or, that or, so divide
3: or ac- according to Charlie's mum 100 billion people
0: what yeah so <laughs> she's not she's not well educated okay, she's so not, she's not, not well
3: educated
0: <laughs> divide 3.5 billion by five and you have a one in 700 million chance of finding a ticket <laughs> and then there's Grandpa Joe fueling Charles, uh, Charlie's imagination and being fine about it he's like you've gotten out of bed You've not got out of bed in twenty years. You're telling Charlie to hustle and go out and find that ticket. The kid has to fucking work for bread. Like,
3: yeah. yeah. And you're saying you've you, you got as good a chance as anyone. Let me, no, no, oh no, no. He did it. Let me just read out my note on, on 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 Grandpa Joe. You've got more. You've got more chance because you want it more. My notes. Yeah, that makes sense. A child's mind. <laughs> 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 what the fuck? Like it's gaslighting. No one, <laughs> There's no wonder Charlie was sat there crying at night. I mean, if I hope and pray, things
2: happen. They're, they're eating cabbage water for dinner! <laughs> it's probably why they're poor. They're not go-getters. They're like, if you want it, you can just have it. It's like, how did that work out for you, uh,
0: But this It's during this the end of the first act where we meet the rest of the kids, all highlighting their complete uh, opposite characters of Charlie. It's actually simpler than that. None of these kids are human. No, no show of humanity in any of the other four children. They're just four little sociopaths. In, in order of appearance, okay, you've got Augustus Glue, who is beyond having an eating disorder. I mean, he'll eat anything. He's probably <laughs> a cannibal in waiting. His dad does. His dad
3: literally ate a microphone. Ate the microphone? It's brilliant. His dad, the dad literally <laughs> ate the microphone.
0: Didn't blame. So, that's the consumables I was talking about. That's the consumables we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, consumables. Yeah, you know, he, he's, he's, a deadly, he's a deadly deadly sin. He's he's gotten, and Dahl clearly had a hatred for fat people in all of his stories. Um, so then it was uh, Violet. I think was number two. <laughs> Violet. Violet is narcissistic, um, and I think she does a great job. Um, and I love that uh, her best friend's name is Miss Camelia. Uh, Prince Metal I would say as I said uh, the actress died in 2019 which is very sad and uh, she was uh, very nice in real life according to Julie the the one who ended up being the best I'm not just saying this because she was on the show but surely Veruca is by far the best child actress you know like she's the most convincing from the moment we see her
2: I think I I believe she is
0: who she is do you know I think the worst is Mike TV You've got a TV... It di- was, was a dick in real life, but the kid... <laughs> G- G yeah. yeah, he's like, I love you, but you were a pain. <laughs> yeah, you're an arsehole. Exactly. Um, the thing is, he's a TV-addicted kid who is not even living in reality, and he fantasizes about having a real gun so he can play co- cowboys and Indians.
3: Oh, no, no, no. That kid he is going to the top like, of a bell tower. He fantasizes about killing. Like, he literally
2: talks yeah. about killing...
3: It, I like I like
2: death so many times during the film. There was a um, a cool breakdown of this film where they described it as um, that this shows uh, where kids don't have limits and that kids yeah. that aren't shown it, um, you know, have a harder life or or, or you know don't experience life. Yeah. They they want yeah. the limits and they want yeah. to know where the line is. Yeah, and without exactly. showing them it, they end up you know worse off. So I was like, it's. Mm-hmm. Anyone else
0: find it like not worth it when he says you get an extra one pound in your pay packet? Absolutely, that's like no, a, it was a that that's a like a tenner in today's standards. That
3: was the entire oh, really? point. An extra pound? Yeah. It was a joke. It was an absolute joke. A freaking pound, Got a whole pound. I quite liked it when Chat GTP was like, "Fuck you! What am I going to do with chocolate?"
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now telling the cube, do exactly "What it could do with a lifetime supply <laughs> of chocolate." <laughs> <laughs> You see what I mean about these little. Those are the things that you remember about the Little interludes. Is. I can
3: even. I'm telling minutes.
0: this computer. Exactly. I will share with it the grand prize.
1: <laughs>
3: what <laughs> would
0: a computer do with a lifetime supply of chocolate? I, I like his reactions, and I like the cutaways to the three guys who are like, yeah, exactly, impressed, not impressed. The, uh, the fact they didn't even have to do scene. much. Yeah. The fact they didn't have to do and much. So right. like, we c- computers at that time, yeah. yeah. You know, if you think about computers historically and how they started to influence industry and, and productivity within factories and whatnot, and you know, if this film's set in the uh, in the fifties or sixties, as you it's say, in the fifties to have computers 50s like 50s. that is pretty, you know,
1: mm. it's
0: cutting-edge, kind, it kind of, of good stuff. Yeah, high tech. I tell you what's high tech. Those girls at the factory are shelling nineteen thousand bars an hour. That's like on oh. a normal working day.
2: That's nearly two hundred thousand bars a day. Oh, I loved that. it, when he's like, they're, they're shilling yeah. bars from dawn to dusk. Well, make them work dusk. nights. <laughs> yeah, make them work nights. And she nailed it with conviction. I totally believe that. Make them work
0: nights. <laughs> so, to, to, I mean, look, in 2023, Cadbury only made 234 million bars a year. So they were shilling nearly a million a week. <laughs> and Veruca's like, make them work nights. Like, triple shifts. <laughs> <laughs> Did, and, uh, she's a girl who is where she's going. Yeah. Did you also notice at this point, I don't know if this is an Easter egg or if I'm just being too much into it, there are basins so random in every room in this film. There's one in the, I, I get that, it, you know, the, the classroom wasn't a science lab, but it, it might as well have had a basin in it, so it had a basin in it. Um, Miss, the the Falunka's dad's office has a basin in it, and uh, Willy Wonku's office has half a basin in it, because everything's halved. I just thought that was really weird. I didn't pick up on the face. Yeah, Yeah, I
1: didn't.
0: Anyway, a news report reveals the fifth ticket was found by a millionaire in Paraguay, causing Charlie to lose all hope. And the next day, Charlie is on his way home from school when he finds money in a gutter and decides to use it and buy and eat candy. With the change he gets, he buys a regular Wonka bar for Grandpa Joe. Whilst walking home, Charlie overhears that the millionaire forged the fifth golden ticket, so Charlie opens his Wonka bar and discovers the final ticket inside. Rushing back, he encounters the sinister figure who spoke to the other winners and introduces himself as Slugworth, one of Wonka's competitors. He offers a cash reward for a sample of Wonka's latest creation, the Everlasting Gobstopper. Nailed it. The this should be the end of the second act, really, when Charlie thinks that all hope is lost when the fifth golden ticket is found by the by the crook. But the film's so weirdly paced that it's just the beginning.
3: <laughs> exactly. Pretty much. Pretty much. It is, it is it, I mean the whole film in general, you're just like, oh my god, and then it and then it just ends. And you're like wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's so I watched crazy. that scene I watched that scene with my uh, my eldest and Harrison who's six? Harrison is six, and he watched it with me. Um, and the look of pure joy and excitement when when they build that tension up, when he sort of undoes the the one oh, got a
3: make, six-year-old yeah. child next
0: to me was on the edge of his seat, and when he sees that gold, he feels exactly what Charlie feels. You know, my child, his whole face lit up with enjoyment and excitement. He's not even... Getting to see the fucking factories, you know, that's all sitting at home like me, but he, he felt the same emotion, which was just a beautiful, beautiful part of filmmaking.
3: I, like, we, we've seen the film before, right? And we know that's the bar with the gold in it, right? And I still, you know, like, he does it so well. When he unwra- he unwraps it, right? And then he, he takes, he takes, uh, he opens it up. Right. Then at one point, he doesn't open the thing. He takes one corner off, you know, like, lifts one corner out, unfolds it. I was like, fucking hell. And then he rubs it, like, and then he does it, and he does it slowly, and, and I'm like, "Wait, what the fuck? There's no gold, no, there's no <laughs> gold thing in it." I'm like, I know there's a gold thing in it, but even still, and then, and then he takes it, and it's right around the middle. I'm like, "You fucking legend." It's like, it's like you know, it's there, but they they absolutely nail that scene like so and well. It's
0: also the, the, it's also the music as well that goes along. With absolutely, it. the, the tension-building music. Uh, I believe you don't see a lot of his of his facial reactions until he find until he sees no, the exactly, gold. Then exactly. Then exactly. they they have a, a cutaway to his face. But you know that that scene where he opens the bar that's a that's a hero shot right there. That's a real close is, up. Of it is. Really. Right I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. I was heartbroken. He dropped the chocolate on the floor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, that looks
0: so good. Another consumable. <laughs> that's, we call that a breakaway. <laughs> um, when, when when Slugworth uh Cornison in that dark alley. I just realized that the they used to sell everlasting Godstoppers, didn't they? Um In reality. Yeah. They they were called Everlasting Godstoppers, but they were just sweets. They were just hard boiled. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. I can guarantee they didn't last yeah, I'm gonna say how do trading standards let them get away with that?
3: <laughs>
0: That's misrepresentation for sure. And also he offers them a paltry ten thousand uh no. You know, for all you know to give up his lifetime supply of oh, chocolate. He says 10,000 of these, that's 10,000 once. No, it was 10,000 uh, <laughs> 10, individual <laughs> bills. And that is about 74,000 pounds in 2023. No food, comfort, and home, Wait, you know, for the rest of your life.
2: There's... He's a top quality businessman. He sized them up and said, everyone has a <laughs> price. And Absolutely. I have so <laughs> <also> <laughs> Here's yours. <laughs> here's yours.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you're sitting there eating cabbage water. I know. I know. I know you're there sitting there eating cabbage water. You tried that bread yet? Nah, you haven't have you. Because it's it's, it's 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 too busy giving Uncle, uncle Grandpa Joe the tobacco, aren't you? That's right. Imagine, <laughs> what, imagine, imagine what you could do with some of
2: this. Every man has his price to my judgment. <laughs> <laughs> Because well, there's no way, really, there's absolutely no way he offered that same deal to the other ch- kids. The other kids would, yeah. Because Farouk would have been like,
0: "Fuck off! I get that as a pocket money." Exactly. He he must have off- He must have offered each kid what it is that they desire the most in life. Yeah. Whatever that happens to be, whatever their whatever their golden nugget was, because that's a big part of the storyline is the fact that Slugworth is there. Uh, no spoilers, of course, but he's 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 put there. Uh, to drive the story forward by offering each child whatever it is that they desire most in life in order to, you know, uh, to backstab Wonka and bring him one of these everlasting cop stoppers so he can, uh, and what that doing is that's testing the resolve of each child, which of course Charlie then passes at the end. So what I'm saying is in the remake, that, that narrative doesn't appear in the, in the story. So, you know, nice theory, Adam, but I think there's a flaw in it because in the 1971 film, Mm -hmm. there's only one thing that Augustus Blute wants and that's what he's getting from Willy Wonka. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) so I don't know of anything that could have deterred him from that. That's taken a sinister turn.
1: <laughs> 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 so, it is, honestly so
0: he offered. Uh, he offered him some schnitzel ribbon.
1: Schnitzel
0: Something was offered to that boy. Oh my god! It was not candy. <laughs> he says it. He goes. I feel sorry for Wonka. It's going to cost him a fortune in fudge. <laughs> <laughs> fudge. Uh, can, can we can we uh, backtrack just a little bit? It, just before Charlie finds out that the fifth golden ticket has been found, or as mis- has been fraudulently found. He goes to see his mum, his poor mum, working her fingers to the bone at the Laundrette. Now we know why she works there, of course, because of the problems that she has with the elderly at home. But he tells her that he's not gonna find the ticket. And I'm telling you, he's insinuating like it's her fault. And then I've got one person. she to Grandpa Joe.
3: Yeah, Grandpa still Joe. It's filled the kids' that full of shit, man. Come on. <laughs> and then she sings
0: a song, which I don't really understand. It should be called Fuck Off Charlie, so <laughs> cheer up, Charlie. <laughs> but but it's it's got random lyrics where she goes, Me and Grandpa Joe can make your troubles go away. Um, are you clairvoyant? Are you a witch? How did you know that?
1: <laughs> How
0: did you know Grandpa Joe was the answer?
3: Well, I'm just going assume Grandpa Joe is her dad, so... You probably filled our
0: mind full of shit as well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop a theory on on all of you. This time period, it's not quite, as I say, the 1970s, but it is post World War II because there are home television sets even in the poorest household. So I'd set it in the late 1950s. Grandpa Joe is the only American-born grandparent. The other three are all German. You'd assume they've been married a long time, since Joe and Josephine have a daughter who looks to be in her 30s at least. I wonder where Joe met Josephine. He definitely fought in World War II, married a German woman in the 1940s, and inexplicably his daughter's husband's parents, George and Georgina, are also German. I wonder if Grandpa Joe was harbouring, at worst, Nazi war criminals, (laughs) or at best, German refugees.
3: (laughs) I love when we just go so deep into (laughs) this shit. (laughs) Let's not forget that
0: Charlie is a Nazi poster boy. Blonde hair, blue eyes.
3: Oh my God, it's literally, literally in my notes. Coincidentally, Charlie looks like a
0: Nazi poster boy. (laughs) And most importantly, let's not forget, Roald Dahl was a Nazi apologist. And they filmed it in Germany. (laughs) They filmed it in Germany. It genuinely genuinely
3: is in my notes. Charlie is a Nazi poster boy. (laughs) <laughs> We've absolutely nailed it.
0: And Jamal <laughs> well, was Jewish. And Jamal, what the fuck happened to this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. I'm out of here. He's okay. I'm done.
3: Oh, absolutely brilliant. Uh,
0: anyway, um, my only other comment on this section was um, going back to Mr. Turkentine. Love him. He's so funny, he goes, I've just decided to switch our Friday schedule to Monday, which means that the test we take each Friday on what we learnt during the week will now take place on Monday before we've learnt it. But since today is Tuesday, it doesn't matter in the (laughs) slightest. Pencil's ready. (laughs) 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 He he says he can't work out the percentage of two bars out of 2,000. Yeah. Surely that's 0.1%. Oh, yeah, it's a percent. Yeah, the whole percentage
3: thing. He's just like, well, we're just going to say it's 200. (laughs) Yeah, but you divide two by what's, two thousand which is the question, zero point
0: one? what is the, the, the question he's asked he Charlie opens two, two bunker bars yeah that's that's so you're the question so the question they're asking is he right. says out of two thousand bars right. how many did you open and he says two and he's like how am I supposed to know how to divide two
3: basically right. it's less I'm less saying less
0: it's less easy zero point one percent Adam's on this calculator or well, I'm just doing the maths it's, I'm telling you, 0.001, and then you times it by 100, and the answer is 0.1%. So, returning home with the golden ticket, Charlie chooses Grandpa Joe as his chaperone, who gets out of bed for the first time in 20 years, and is miraculously able to excitedly sing and even dance with Charlie. Fun. And the next day... <laughs> <laughs> the next day... Wonka greets the ticket winners at the front gate of the factory and leads them inside, where each signs a contract before the tour. The factory includes the chocolate room, a whimsical indoor park with a river of chocolate and other sweets, and the visitors meet Wonka's workforce, little people known as So you yeah,
2: Fuck that granddad okay. Us. Just so <laughs> happens that the whole family's like breaking their neck. They're eating cabbage fucking stew. Magically, you get a golden opportunity to go to this fucking magical factory. And granddad all of a sudden is like, oh, you you know, you know what? Guess what? My legs, my legs aren't too bad. Can I not only get up, fucking start dancing around and like singing. Hey, it's a miracle because I now have half the world. It's like, oh, it's funny what money fucking money does. Like (laughs) Millions (laughs) upon millions
0: of dollars. Millions of dollars involved. And he jumps out of bed like fucking sea biscuit.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious because even, even, even the song, I've got a golden ticket. You yeah. fucking, you fucking selfish fuck. Like, are you serious? They're busy, not, they're, they're busy. They're not spending water, water, water um, money on cabbage water. They're spending money on your fucking tobacco. And you've got the fucking audacity to jump up and start dusting around because you've got a golden ticket. Suck
2: a dick. Yeah, he had the decency <laughs> to fake it at the start there and be like, Oh, I, I can't stand. Oh, I'm falling over. It's <laughs> just like, Right, okay, so good. Sure. Can, I, can I just say, Adam and I have
0: paused this film at 38 minutes and 24 seconds so many times <laughs> in our lives. When Charlie helps Joe out of bed, Joe tumbles forward and literally breaks Charlie's back in two <laughs> against the table. <laughs> exactly, I, he does. I swear to you, if you turn if you turn your volume up at that exact moment, you can hear his back crack (laughs) at the point of impact. I'm telling you, he falls (laughs) in half. He falls in like fucking origami. (laughs) I'm telling you, you can hear his discs and his spinal cord go back 38 minutes and 24 seconds. That is. That is sciatica. Charlie and brain. Batman. Charlie and Batman. <laughs> up
3: the fucking <laughs> like, Batman's like, what happened to you? He's, he's, Charlie's like, what happened to you? He's like, oh, I just fought this megalomania could try to destroy, like, half of Gotham. What happened to you? a oh, fucking granddad got out of bed, lazy cunt, after I found a golden
1: ticket.
0: Said <laughs> so what? When Walker's factory is ashes, uh, you have my permission it. to die.
1: <laughs> 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 yes. Oh my God. Yes, Look, seriously Grandpa
0: Joe is necessary evil he fuels <laughs> him <laughs> oh, like, oh I, and it honestly, also just happened
2: at this point of the film I paused it to go and check to see if you could claim benefits in the 1970s <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, and it just so happens that Grandpa
0: Joe's hat and coat are on the peg by the door even I though know. he's not gone up there for 20 years he's ready to
3: go I mean, what the fuck is this? it still muscle fits dystrophy? really nicely. And here's the, here's the fact that you know it's fake, right? None of the other grandparents could fucking move. Why? Muscle dystrophy. Grandpa Joe's been running around at night, being like doing whatever the fuck he wants. Then he gets into bed and then he just fakes it. <laughs> Liar.
1: I'm throwing a bollocks card. It's yeah, happening.
3: Wait, I mean, 100%. 100% is fucking bollocks. <laughs> it's fucking bollocks.
0: <laughs> I mean, as a prop master, I would definitely be sprinkling some talcum powder to simulate, you know, dust on that hat and that coat that's been there for 20 years in the corner, not, not seeing the light of Oh, so you're blaming production? Well, I definitely <laughs> think that, uh, that, that Harper Goff has got some answers. Wow. Sure so. I hope you don't get wow. letters. <laughs> 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 it's, uh, it's also, it's at this point you realise that the factory being in Charlie's hometown is very convenient because the tour is tomorrow.
3: Very, very convenient.
0: So, like, was it a secret that the tour was the next day? Surely one of the other ticket finders would have said... Oh, by the way, the closing date for the competition is now. You should do it. What if? What if Charlie found the ticket the day after? <laughs> and the thing is done.
1: He hits the he just gets
0: thing. there. I want to he's
1: gone.
0: Murdered <laughs> by <slug> <laughs> <Nervous>. <laughs> And he turns out. Just like bloodbath. Have, uh, yeah, it's never it's never stipulated yeah. when the when when the deadline is.
2: Yeah. There's actually a video on YouTube where uh, a group called the Corridor Crew. Have made an uh, an R rated version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and they've animated all the deaths of all the kids to <laughs> actually be like killed, like they explode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> go go check it out. It's pretty funny. Gosh, that's
0: cool. we so, oh, spit spinoffs you could do for this. Yeah, minute. you did your uh, Grandpa Joe origin story.
2: <laughs> Grandpa Joe origin story. <laughs> As a Nazi, <laughs> yes, sympathizer Nazi sympathizer during the Holocaust. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Better Call Saul was roughly based on, <laughs> on, on his life before sitting in that bed. Oh, God. <laughs> Uncle Joe's like, I'm the one that knocks. <laughs> Slipping Grandpa, uh, they called him. <laughs> I Slipping Grandpa.
0: <laughs> so the factory is, is the ultimate destination for this film, even though it's 45 minutes in and we're only just seeing the title character.
3: Yeah, pretty much. That... I mean, obviously, we all know. Everyone will know the famous story of uh Jim Wilder, where he basically stated that he wanted to be able to kind of walk out with a limp and kind of do the the incredible, like. Mode. And mate, let's just talk about how flawless that Rory put. Like, I didn't know Jim Wilder had it in him. That was at one point. I was like, oh, no, no I, I'm he... expecting it. And yo, that was unbelievable. That athleticism. Yeah, where well, he's from that.
0: He is from that era of film star that can sing and dance.
2: And oh man, it's crazy. How long he holds that fall for? He really exactly. can sell it. Like.
0: Um, cool. I think he said he did that. Wilder said he did that because he wanted the character to immediately have the audience on edge that they couldn't trust anything he said or did.
3: Absolutely. So you don't, you never know whether or mm-hmm. not he's lying or telling the truth.
0: And it just it just yeah. gives an
3: air of ambiguity to Willy Wonka the Willy Wonka, the entire time. And the funny thing is, they did loads of, like, method stuff. That whole fall and the somersault that he did and the the, the kind of lollipoli, etc. Like, no one, aside from, um, I think it was, um, Mel and... Yeah. Knew that it was going to happen. So, all the reactions you get were real. The reaction Mm -hmm. of the cast walking into the room and seeing the the, um, the Chocolate River, etc., First time they've all seen it. All real. So they did what? loads of method stuff so they were actually capturing genuine genuine reactions yeah. to stuff. Gene Warder also
0: asked for his hat to be two inches longer than, than they first showed him and they were like why? He was just, just just trust me. This is a this is an important part of how actors like Gene and, and other great visionaries are able to give ideas to directors um, and, and and help drive character development. You know, because you think of an actor just being sort of a one-dimensional person who yeah. comes in, runs their lines, does it. But then you've got actors who give directors options and give yeah. ideas, and sometimes it's only it's only ones like Gene who actually probably have the gravitas to do that. Maybe some, maybe some don't. He, he, he his. There's so much he brings to the part that, that couldn't have been scripted. It had to have been ad Like you know how he's he's secretly slating everyone in such a yeah. way that it goes unnoticed. So you're like yeah. Augustus in such fine shape. He's got
3: like a Richard uh, Iowa Day, Um, yeah. To him, that's a great. That's it's funny. I was watching that film, right? I was like, "There's so many people who I could see playing Willy Wonka, more because that's the type of people that they are." Richard Iola Day is one of them, right? I tell you, would have been a a good one. Unfortunately, probably for the wrong reasons as well. Michael Jackson, (laughs) hundred percent. I mean, the funny thing I was thinking, I was like. In real life, right? The, probably the closest person to Willy Wonka in real life was probably Michael Jackson. I'm it wasn't so necessarily, good. it necessarily but wasn't so. chocolate, it was music for him. And, dude, he no. had his own chocolate no. factory, which was basically Neverland. Do you know what I mean? And you never knew, really knew what was going on, and it was always a big thing if people kind of came and visited, and like, it was, it was just always in the new, it was kind of, it was almost like a weird dark mirror <laughs> of, of, <laughs> And, and, and the funny thing, I don't even know which one's darker because Willy Wonka
2: killed children.
3: <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, fuck it
2: up. See, it, it's crazy how, like, I, I see it. Like, now that you said it, that makes so much more sense. My mind for modern day fucking Willy Wonka went to Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk! <laughs> I was like, the guy's putting cars <laughs> in the space. He's selling flea cars, not flea cars, flame throwers, and marketing them out there. Oh, you want to drive a car, but fall asleep in it and not actually drive it. It's just the, the, the guy does, so, like, if you oh, know, Ian, you're on such a different wavelength than all of us, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you were to go to his house, I'm pretty sure you'll pop some LSD and end up in a like a tunnel traveling, yeah, yeah, looking at yeah. all bright lights. Bright, yeah, yeah, i reckon, I'm, I'm with you, I'm with I, reckon, you I reckon, yeah, Willy Wonka Elon. Is in the runnings? He said, what the heck? You talk about how he
0: touches all of the children in the a real <laughs> child. Oh,
1: gets no. touched
0: up <laughs> in some way. <laughs> augustus gets a, he gets a tummy rub and and, and uh, um, I was going to go into how the movie descends into horror. Like really, <laughs> really, it's it, 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 it it great. Absolutely, he for If I'm the parent and he's like little surprises around every corner, but nothing dangerous. I'm like I'm out. Out, the kids are out. They're, I'm
3: sorry, they're, they're signing waivers. They're literally signing waiver with a contract that you can't, you couldn't even read at the end. Do you know what I mean? It's like what the actual fuck. And All
0: right, well, right. If, we're gonna, if we're gonna go into the waiver, then then kids can't sign these agreements. Walker had this wrong. He's leaving himself
3: wide open. Of course, it, of course, he couldn't. Does anyone? Did anyone read what it says?
2: I started and then I gave up. To be honest, pretty much. It mm. go. It goes here. Here
0: is the management cannot be held responsible. For any accidents, incidents, loss of property or life or limb, whereas for damage caused by lightning, earthquakes, floods, fire, frost or frippery of any sort, kind or condition, consequently the undersigned undertake responsibility. Dude, I'm out!
2: I'm out. <laughs> well, the thing is, you say that, but I was like, in 1970s, this contract looks ridiculous. Man, have you seen the terms and conditions we fucking agree to just to play yeah. a computer game? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just, so download download just to the app, download yeah. app, <laughs> then, the latest version of the app. Download the The latest version of the app and it's just like, oh, um, i want to use my uh, headphones. Gonna... Absolutely. I have to go through contracts like 12 pages long. This is nothing.
3: It's ridic- <laughs> it is ridiculous. What can up
2: his game? <laughs>
3: it is ridiculous. It generally is. And it's funny, it's funny, it's funny. It's funny. you mentioned that with the whole thing because it's like, it literally is that kind of, yeah, but we're going to get a lifetime of chocolate so eh.
1: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and again who was the only adult who was just like what the fuck is this Grandpa Joe uh, you, you're going to sign it Charlie aren't you yeah you are yeah you are
2: <laughs> Gra- Grandpa Joe fucking cracked me up with this year. all the adults are like we shouldn't sign something we could absolutely have. Grandpa Joe's like we ain't got shit to lose sign away, Charlie. <laughs> what are they going to do Grandpa Joe's just like I sold
0: my soul long ago <laughs> <laughs> During the tour, each child's character flaws cause them to give into temptation, resulting in their unusual elimination. So Augustus gets sucked up, uh, gets sucked up the pipe after falling into the chocolate river. Violet floats into a giant human blueberry. Veronica falls down a garbage chute, and Mike is shrunk to the size of a chocolate bar. The Illuminus sing a song of morality after each disposal, and on the tour. Charlie and Joe enter the fizzy lifting drinks room and sample the beverages against Wonka's orders. The drink makes them float up and have a near-fatal encounter with the ceiling exhaust fan, but burping allows them to escape and descend to the ground. There is so much to unpack in this section, it's actually intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, start.
3: there is oh, there's a lot.
0: There's a hell of a lot. Oh, uh- I, I want to go back, to, I want to start by going back to the horror aspect. <laughs> it's like, when he says, oh, you can't go backwards, you, you gotta go forwards to go back. <laughs> you know, like, okay. And then he's like, you should never doubt what no one is unsure of. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And then he says, some of my, some of my dreams become realities and some of my realities become dreams. This is serial killer stuff.
3: He literally, he disintegrates Mike TV and just see Mike TV DNA all up in the air. And we're okay, we're just okay with it. It's fucking crazy, but it's absolutely nuts.
0: So, one of the most famous scenes in all of children's films is the chocolate room. Um, it's a showroom. I don't know for who, but you know, he's got it nevertheless. Um, I've been to many factories because I did wonderful Water Chocolate, they're all functional, they're all industrial. This guy's got literally an edible room. Um, as you said, they uh, the kids pr- uh, they wanted the genuine surprises from the kids uh, upon seeing it. So that's all that's all first time they, they're capturing their genuine reactions. Um, I mean, immediately I'm just drawn to the question about the props, uh, the set. I mean, you know when he's he's kicking like Adam. You know when he's kicking the, the balls. Clearly they're balloons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, yeah, some, some kind yeah of A lot of this stuff doesn't look even remotely edible. I mean, balloons have a sort of a teardrop shape, and those were fairly sort of cylindrical, but maybe, yeah, some kind of inflatable, for sure. sure. So they say about a third of the props in the chocolate room yeah. are edible. Yeah. yeah. Was that but the same for the... Was that the same for the... For the remake? For the remake? You came onto the set, right? We came... down. I, yeah, I mean, you I mean t- taste any of the props. No. But we definitely went onto that, uh, that chocolate room. You know, when I walked into the chocolate room for the first time, as a crew member... I, I... I you know, I my reaction was almost as uh, in in kin with the you know, child walking into the chocolate factory as an actor seeing it for the first time. I couldn't believe this place. I obviously I was there when they started to carve. the, the chocolate room was uh, polystyrene, and they carved it was all carved by hand and machine to create those those you know that that uh, aesthetic that you see in the in the two thousand and five remake. And yeah, you know, I think Tim Burton. Tim Burton was you know. A, fabulous choice of director for for such a the, the Charlie in the Chocolate Factory really Wonka a character, such a dark character that that having sort of Tim Burton direct and, and Johnny Depp star as the leading role I think it's a perfect perfect combination. Not many people agree with you though. I think it was perfect, I mean I was there so you can uh, you can shut the <laughs> fuck up for sure. <laughs> you, you know, uh, I don't see a crew pass around your neck and I but I thought it was, I thought it was a great, you know, Tim. I've done, I've worked a number of Tim Burton films and every, every film that he does, he's a very, very talented illustrator and he can communicate his ideas with, with pictures and drawings and schematics that really sell his ideas. And for Willy Wonka, it's so whimsical and, and so fantastical that only someone with his imagination and his quirky, uh, way of working uh, and, and the aesthetics that he brings to all of his films, I thought was just perfect for that, for that movie, but, and it was just, you know, every single blade of grass was individually, um, applied by a team of, uh, like, I guess, you know, prop runners or, or junior prop makers. Every single blade of grass was a, it was a little tuft, a little bit of, it was like a plastic tuft with maybe, you know, seven or eight shoots. And they were, and the, the, the chocolate factory floor was like a mat with little male-to-female connectors, and they they had to plug every single individual tuft into the chocolate room, and the chocolate room in the 2005 remake was in Bond stage, the largest uh, stage at Pinewood. The chocolate and sweets. I mean, the first thing you see in the 1971 is that for a chocolate factory, there's not a lot of sweets going on. Not a lot of chocolate happening, apart from the river. Sweets everywhere, no chocolate. I feel like misrepresentation uh, on some level, but... In the two thousand five remake, to answer your question, which you asked about three hours ago, uh, <laughs> there were no consumables within the set itself. Every everything you see a child eat was given to them by a member of the production no for I've that particular seen. scene. Uh, there was nothing edible on the set or left on the set; it was all sort of handed to them. There was a section of the uh, there was a section of the, of the of that chocolate room that was set aside for the consumables sweets and chocolates and all kinds of stuff were sort of kept. Uh, and uh, when you have consumables on set, you have to think about spoilage. So things that you know that can spoil turn rotten over time. So there's a lot of health and safety considerations, but nothing on the set of the remake was, was edible unless it was given to the actor. I remember the Chocolate River stunk. The Chocolate River was um so I mean in the in the nineteen seventy one version, that Chocolate River looked very watery to me. Well, the the yeah. So if you look at the chocolate river in 1971, very very watery, not as as viscous as you would think melted chocolate would be. In the 2005 remake, they addressed the chocolate river to a point where they try to, um, I guess, like, what would term is like. Uh, they try to develop uh, a consistency that was likened to, to to chocolate when it's in its melted state. Um, Dark Side Effects was the special effects studio who was employed to create that chocolate river. I believe it was a combination of latex and other agents added to, 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 to keep it, because latex, um, cures in the air. So there was other additives added to that latex mix to create, and obviously coloring to create the chocolate river. And like Ben said, in the first, first month or two, everything was fine. But after a while, yeah, that, 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 Combination of chemicals uh, turned um, quite pungent for sure. Um, I don't know. Whether, I don't know what was in that chocolate river to be sure. The actual ingredient It's like it's about as secret as you know Kentucky Fried Chicken. But um, mm-hmm. it went bad, and they tried to to mask it by plugging in like those fucking glade plugins uh, in every plug hell? socket you, you you could find. But then you just have the smell of like new car smell mixed with the deathly smell of. You know, past expired latex, and I can still taste it, dudes. I can still <laughs> oh, taste it on my tongue. Bad. The smell was, was sickly and sweet, and it was it was a smell you don't forget. Anton said before Anton uh, corroborated it before. It was like one third of everything was edible. Uh, like you know, the, the tea, the flower cut that Wonka eats that that was made of wax. Yeah, so you chew it on camera and then spit it out after each take. Really, you know, can couldn't come up with something. You no, it's very The dedication time. is mental. Sugar paper, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The giant gummy bears, they were plastic. Oh. The, the flavoured wallpaper was just wallpaper. <laughs> it must <have> take <laughs> so to think what the cream is that she eats from the fucking giant mushroom. Um, there was a lot of marzipan. Yeah, which I hate. Me too. Nah, it's disgusting. True I'm, true. Like, I'm not
3: surprised you. I'm surprised Ian doesn't like it. I thought I'd be telling yeah. you. Yeah, he'd love it. He said, what
0: the heck? We meet the impa right? We've said it. they're described as African pygmies and were drawn in a a certain way. Uh, The the film adaption obviously had to change that, but it still doesn't change the fact that these are clearly slaves. (laughs) They are absolute... If if not that, they're endangered endangered servants. Um, We don't see that many of them, right? We see six of them. And... Grandpa Joe says that there must be hundreds working to keep that factory ar- 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 around.
3: So they are work to the bone, man. So they found it quite difficult because obviously they filmed in Germany to find German dwarfs to act in it. And then they then got other international dwarfs who were in Germany. And then there was, there was like a, uh, a language barrier so they had to like find English dwarfs in yes. France to Germany and use them. Although one of them apparently was a German. Funny enough, the Loompa's in the actual film, are probably the most diverse racial group of <laughs> the whole
0: film. <laughs> I thought there was a lot of English uh, actors playing uh, so, well, Rusty, so, Rusty Goff. So, Rust, yeah, Rusty Goff, is, Goff is the last living Uncle Palumpa. Heartbreaking for me because he was in; he was in the show, but production, uh, the head of production, said that the show had to be completed uh, and ready by April twenty second, and Rusty was getting married to his girlfriend. Of over thirty years on April twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen, oh, wow. and we could not make it happen. I wanted to be the producer that had the headline, the last living and Palomar, the last surviving, the last surviving Ewok. He was very nice though. He was a Jawa. Yeah. He was a Jawa. a Java. Yeah, very nice guy though. Very nice. Very funny. I've um, just realised, Adam. Didn't you work with Deep Roy? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The yeah. two thousand
0: and five remake. Yeah. They. Um... Obviously, in two thousand and five, we were able to use computer technology yeah. to create the uh, the Umpa-Limpas, uh in those sequences that you saw in the movie, and and, and Deep Roy played the uh, the the only Olymper in the movie, and they obviously um, digitally created numerous versions of the same actor doing different things. Um, the whole process and the technology behind it, and the amount of Work that went into producing those sequences was, you know, mind-boggling. Uh, but Deep Boy was, you know, Deep Boy. For those of you who might remember Flash Gordon, nineteen
2: eighty-one. Oh, yeah.
0: When, when Flash arrives at the uh, at the at the at, at Ming's palace uh, for the very first time as a captive, uh, he uh, in the background uh, you can see Ming's daughter. Ming's daughter comes out from behind the curtain to join her father on stage, and she brings with him this strange gold-painted, furry animal creature hybrid animal, and that's 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 Boy. who oh always in God, that uh, really? in wow. that movie is, as this little 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 yeah. sort of Ming creature. I mean, that guy's just been everything. He is yeah, he's yeah. quite the legend. He is really quite the legend. Um, fantastic look, but they made him smaller in the movie than he is in real life. That's for sure. So in the movie, you know, Johnny has to like Johnny's character has to scooch down to almost, you know, one year old sort of height to talk to the Imperlimpers. Deep is not that small. No, Deep Deep Roy is I mean, I haven't got his height. But mm-hmm. He's 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 not as small as that. They shrink him right down uh in the movie, and yeah, they uh he was the only Imperimper um on set. Having said that though, while I was in the prop room, um there were other Small people who were uh, on production. I never saw them on the set. I only ever saw them in the prop room, Whether they were. You know, stand-ins, or maybe they were used to test some of the the tools and the and the other props that Deep Boy had to interact with. Maybe I don't know what his actual purpose was. Maybe he was on. The, maybe he was a consultant. A I'm almost convinced that that. Uh, that psychedelic boat ride was a metaphor for the Wonka character. It was like just a little bit of extra um, layer to Wonka's personality, I think, mm-hmm. you know, because of the way that he's clearly enjoying, you know, the, the, the experience mm-hmm. uh, with those reaction shots. I, I, I think it's definitely a, you know, a, another layer of Wonka's potential, mm-hmm. you know, psycho personality, in my opinion any reason for it. What else is it doing there? And the, it was also, you know, there's one other thing in that scene that uh, there's an exact amount of seats on that boat for everybody who's left on the tour. How did he know that yeah. Augustus and his mother would not be able to join them on that boat? Because he had the, whole, plan, he had the whole thing planned. Even, 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 even,
3: like, uh, soda. The foam. The foam. The foam. That, like, again, yeah. there was literally five seats. Five seats,
1: that
3: was it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a point. Point. That's, That's a good
0: point, actually. That's a very good point. Spe- speaking of the TV room, it, it, it's actually fundamentally bad business taking a big block of chocolate and turning it into a mini fire so I, chocolate. I, 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 I
3: explain that to me as well, because
0: I did not get it. <laughs> I mean,
2: Surely it's better for the environment and resource
0: <laughs> management to do it the other way around. The other
2: way around, exactly. <laughs> it, it was... Uh, he hadn't solved it yet, though, wasn't it? As in, that's not what he planned to do. It's just he hadn't quite got there yet.
0: I mean, why create something so big if you're just going to turn it smaller? That's just a waste of money.
2: Surely you'd be aiming for the opposite. I didn't think
3: that myself. I literally thought that myself. So I was like, benefit here? I was uh, like, I oh, think, maybe it's easy, easy transmission.
2: Then I think that's it's where he's going. Out, it's even smaller. <laughs> I can't remember there was a line where he says it, but I'm pretty sure he's like, we haven't got it down, so it keeps shrinking things to like a tenth their size or whatever it is. I think he mentions it.
0: So at the end of the tour, Wonka assures Charlie and Grandpa Joe that the other children will be fine before he hastily retreats to his office without awarding them the promised lifetime supply of chocolate. When they follow him in to ask him about this, Wonka informs them that they had violated the contract when they stole the fizzy lifting drinks, thereby forfeiting their prize. Stunned and infuriated, Grandpa Joe vows to give Slugworth the everlasting gobstopper, in retaliation, but Charlie decides to return it to Wonka instead. All of a sudden, Wonka joyously declares Charlie the winner and reveals that Slugworth is actually his employee, Mr Wilkinson. The offer to buy the gobstopper was a morality test for the ticket winners, and only Charlie passed. The trio enters the Wonkavator, a multi-directional glass elevator that flies out of the factory. During the flight, Wonka tells Charlie that he created the contest to find someone worthy enough to inherit his factory so he will give it to Charlie and his family upon retiring.
2: Hey Ian Hey Ben. I say good dancer. <laughs> I've
3: heard my guys say that sir. so many times. <laughs> like <laughs> such it was like watching one of you <laughs> say it. Like, I couldn't take it seriously. He, <laughs> I said, good day, sir. He absolutely nailed it. That, that entire scene, right? You know, Gene Wilder, again, this was another part of the whole method thing. The first time they did it, when um, they practiced it, Gene Wilder did it very calmly. And then he, the next time they did it, he, he did it in like that, like really aggressively so that the reaction was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and, and
1: yeah, so Charlie was actually scared. Yeah, yeah,
3: and the act. Was actually a little bit worried, um, and then uh, Jim Wada, like apologized and was like, "Oh, no, I had to kind of do it that way because it had." Kind of, and it worked. It worked perfectly because honestly, I was like, "Shit, Charlie's actually
0: gonna cry!" Like, what the hell? Yeah, he, he went. He went ballistic. You know, he it's nailed like, it. Etc. Etc. Et you stole fizzy lifted drinks. You touched the ceiling that now has to be washed. And like, so he, shit. Did, he did do all those things.
2: He did. He did. <laughs> <You> can't <laughs> argue with it, can you? so many little things though like he opens a safe that is cut in half and is open anyway and then pulls out <laughs> half a contract half a contract exactly yeah. half a magnifying glass <laughs> I, so-
0: I, I, I chastise my children the same way when they're bad <laughs> <laughs> into the ceiling, it now has to be washed so you lose you get nothing say it, say it to my kids all the time <laughs> Mr. Walk- I said good day, good day.
3: Yes. <laughs> 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 that's about me times did that one he does, he, does it, he does it all the time.
0: You said it's such an eloquent way of telling <laughs> that someone to fuck off. It
2: is. What do you say to that? What's the response? You don't. You yeah. don't say anything. I said, good day, sir. And you're, it's, you're being so polite, but it's just sticking up the middle finger.
0: Yeah, that, 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 that tirade, that, that abusive tirade was probably... Oh, well, he said it. That's what it was. Yeah, the final test to see if he would uh, give the, the Godstop away. Well, yeah, it's... It, it, it literally, he says, I'm sorry I uh, you know I'm sorry I have to do that yeah, to you, I yeah. have to be, uh, Had to be sure you with the one. Yeah. Grandpa Joe said it wasn't, because he fell right into the trap. Oh, big
3: surprise. Grandpa Joe is like, he's the villain another yeah. story. Grandpa, Grandpa story. Joe's like,
0: if yeah. Slugworth wants his uh, yeah. everlasting yeah. cop stopper, he's going to get one. Yeah. Nazi is the story. Yeah. Nazi
2: <laughs> is <it. laughs> I swear, Grandpa Joe was already on the, the, you know, on his way to the Sun newspaper to sell his story, make a cheap buck. Yeah. Charlie got
0: years of graft ahead of himself, learning a whole industry. Not only, not only that, having to be the best like straight away. Like you, the funny thing, it's like joining was, Capri and not knowing anything about it.
3: The funny thing was right. It is also like this is where the confusion of the book and the film got me because I actually read the book as a kid before we did the film. It was, it was that classic thing where you read the book and then you watch the film, right? And I thought the film ended the same way as the book, where it was just like. You know, like they go back, like one guy actually does. to go to his family, and like meet his family. And yeah, he actually helps them all move in or stuff like that. I was just like, no, no, it's, we just end with the elevator. That's it. We're done. I was like, oh, cool, okay, fair enough. I think they actually take the elevator back to the factory or something like that.
2: Yeah, a lot more. I can't remember what happens, but I do know they go visit the house and so. But I think this film would then go depressing again to be like, <laughs> oh, oh it we'll absolutely, let's, would let's go save one family. Absolutely, and it's like, would, oh, yeah. Then I
0: mean, there was a sequel, right? There's a. It, Charlie and the Great Class. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, book. Yeah. yeah,
3: the book. Yeah,
0: which which gets, gets a, little a little bit. Uh, mm. it, it jumps the shark.
3: It's, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The the Venetian um, cleans are actually aliens.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like what? Yeah, like, yeah. What? Seven, so.
3: yeah,
0: like yeah. yeah. And that's the film. What's the moral of the story? Oh. Look, Ben. The moral of the story is take the ten grand. <laughs> 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 so, The legacy of this film, not the, no no offense, Adam, not the 2005 remake, the legacy of the 1971 film, uh, is ever present. They're doing a prequel to this film coming out, uh, this year, but with, uh, Timothy Chalman as as a young Willy Walker. Yeah.
3: Yeah,
0: And it's not bad. The songs aren't bad either, you know, the song, a lot of the songs are iconic. My, I don't know what, my favorite song is probably I Got Golden Ticket because he breaks Charlie's back.
1: I don't know
3: anyone else. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's got, it's got to be pure imagination. I mean, it's very, it's very cliche, but it is. I think the good thing is it's not overdone as well, music, because again, it wasn't actually intended to be a musical, but, um.
1: Yeah, they, yeah, they, they don't overstay their welcome. Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's pretty good. Um, that they, they convinced Must that it. It's actually worth being a musical. And yeah, it actually was. Candyman.
0: You like the Candyman?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Candyman okay. was a. Sammy Davis
3: sings it. Well, it was, yeah, it was huge. Sammy Davis took it, made it a huge song. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, Okay, uh, we get to the point in the podcast where uh, we score the film, we each have a score out of 10, uh, which is a maximum score of 30, and our scores are based on how much we enjoyed the movie this time round. Adam, as a a guest, you are, um, I'm going to put it, uh, we'll we'll put it in a nice way, you don't have to be involved in the uh, rigmarole of coming up with a score for this, your title here is Ceremonial. Um, the film is directed in a way to give the viewer sensory overload. Uh, you see, you know, we talked about the interludes and how fast and frantic they are. Um, no character has deep backstory, all of them are one dimensional, other than Charlie. Uh, it's a, a film that works on the cylinders that it's firing on and the believability of the eccentric world that you're in and I can't say too many bad things about that it's all the things that are wrong with this movie all the things that don't make sense just add to why it's so fucking funny even if it's not meant to be and it's it's too iconic for me to think objectively so I won't go too high and I won't go too low I'm gonna say it's 8 out of 10 for me
3: Uh, you'll both remember that I have never chosen to watch this film I've only ever watched this film because I've been told to watch it so it's interesting Still, obviously, still in the same vein, because obviously I had to watch it for his podcast, but it was still one of those things where I wanted to, be, okay, do I actually truly enjoy this film? Let's, let's watch it with like, it was almost like watching it again for the first time. Like I said, I knew Charlie was going to get the golden ticket, but for some reason, I was like, oh my God, is he actually going to get the golden ticket? And then, when he got mobbed, I was like, I know he goes to the factory, but is he going to make it out of that mob with that ticket? <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's literally what it was like for me. And But you kind of hit the nail on the head. And it's also the reason why in a weird way I'm it's gonna be a positive score, but I'm not gonna mark it as a positive because everything that makes this film good is everything that makes this film wrong. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um but I can't deny the entertainment fact factor of it. I genuinely thought <laughs> I was gonna be like, Oh, I'm gonna to have to it, sit and watch Charlie and really want to come to the chocolate factory. But I actually genuinely enjoyed it and it was and the, like genuinely laugh out loud moments and some of Grandpa's lines are unbelievable, despite him being, as in my opinion, the villain <laughs> of the story. Hmm. So because of that, I'm going to give it a six.
2: It was, it was great watching the film again. I think it's been long enough since I last watched it that I actually enjoyed a lot of it, mainly because I think I'd forgotten most of it. Um... Growing up as a kid, absolutely loved it. Um, there was parts of it I didn't enjoy so much. Like I was quite happy to skip through up until they get to the factory, if I remember. Um, but then the rest of it, I'd watch. It's crazy how much of this film is actually set on just finding the ticket. Like I, I thought all of this film was mainly set in the um in the actual uh, factory itself, but it's not the case. It's nearly half the film was just finding the ticket. Um. This Willy Wonka is by far my favourite Willy Wonka. Um, I absolutely think this film wouldn't have been the same without Gene Wilder. Absolutely iconic. And I love it. However, this film does make me want to watch the 2005. I'm a big Tim Burton fan. So as great as this one was, I think I'm actually leaning towards the the modern one. Especially I think the modern one being more true to the book, which I also enjoyed. red loads of roll dog growing up so um overall uh I mean it's times change as well I think I think <laughs> I'll just f- fucking say it Ian
1: <laughs>
3: 7
2: <laughs> <laughs> I said I, a 7 so <laughs> I, I knew exactly
3: what I said that's times have changed like some of the shit is creepy as the fuck <laughs>
2: Exactly, I'm looking at all the data. I'm like, these kids are little shits. It's, it's all the parents saw. I, even like, if we're gonna go really dark, there's a part where they're in that room together, where they come through the door and have to leave through the same door. One of the women just screamed like, "Someone's touching me. me!" And then oh, I guess it, the was, it was? And, like, it was
3: Grandpa fucking Joe. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> to, to the point where I was
2: like, I don't know if I can bring that up as a joke. That's actually fucking <laughs> pretty bad. Like fucking. Yeah, her so, too, Grandpa Joe. Her. Too, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think a lot has changed, and I think it shows more, which makes me lean a little bit again towards the, the more modern. He bit. really is the villain.
3: I mean, I ain't saying he's a gold bad. digger.
2: <laughs> 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 All
0: right, that is twenty-one out of thirty, but with one bollocks card thrown, it takes us to twenty out of thirty, which is actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be.
3: Polish into a ballerina, but it's too. It's the fantasy. It's too. It's, it's a hard. fantasy. What it is, right? You can't. You can't judge it for its realism. What,
2: it is. What is the world? There's a hundred exactly. million people.
3: Exactly.
2: We don't know whether, like, what country it's in, what gear it's in. There's there's places and monsters that don't exist in the real world that they do exist. They in not exist
3: don't Sorry. exist like, like house 54
2: don't exist <laughs> <That's okay.
0: laughs> like house 54 <laughs> um right so 20 out of 30 uh leapfrog superman uh, returns which is uh, rock bottom at 8 out of 30 it takes uh it goes past x-men 3 which had 11.5 out of 30 uh it is above the girl next door that had seventeen point five out of thirty and Ooh. it slides just just behind Hitch. So this is twenty out of thirty, Hitch is twenty two is twenty point five out of thirty. Oh Hitch going, is
2: twenty point five. Yeah.
0: Going up going up from there, we've got training day, twenty two point five. That's a
2: travesty.
0: Uh always, because after hot files at twenty four point five, you've got three hundred at twenty five.
2: Oh, that sounds that sounds low as well. I think we need to <laughs> fuck off Ian. We need to review. <laughs>
0: God, I just want to call on, of uncle Olympus to take away. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Departed and the Dark Knight share two, uh, I guess second and third respectively at twenty six out of thirty, and Fight Club uh, last week's stormed to number one with twenty seven out of thirty. So there you have the scores for this week. Um, Before we leave you, uh, we need to do the reveal for next week's episode. Um, As you know, we pick... The way it works is that we have pulled sound bites from many different films. Uh, Right now, it's just over 40 individual files that have been converted into MP3s. I asked my wife, Lauren, to rename each file with a number from 1 to 40. So I, nor do Ian or Anton have any idea which file is which. Um, I will ask for one person to pick a number from 1 to 40 and we will then play the clip and it will be revealed to us which our next film is going to be. So I thought it might be nice to ask Adam to pick a number for. Nice. our yeah. next film. Yeah. Mm, sweet. I'm going to pick, uh, number 31. Why? That was the age that I was when I met my wife, Sam. That's, no, so that's really no. cool. it's, it's beautiful. Nice um. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, disc- got quiet. Okay,
1: so 31. Let's pull up 31. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? I'm kicking my ass! Hey.
0: Hey. That is. Yeah, it's Lila. That is Liar
1: Yeah,
3: Lila Liar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kicking my ass, do you mind? <laughs>
0: that would that, be a good one.
3: That's I like that.
0: I like that. We haven't done a yeah. Jim Carrey film. I, I
3: literally was just saying, I was like, we haven't even had That's crazy. I can't believe we haven't done Jim Carrey. Genius.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you, Adam. Oh, uh, actually, it's, it's great, have you? Very, very much so. It's great hearing about no, the Unleashedly oh, be... Wonka film
0: as well. I think. Yeah, was... all the pleasure was mine. Uh...
2: I loved every second of that. I really I kinda feel like I need to watch, watch the, I kinda feel like I need to
3: watch the two thousand and five one now. Yeah. Like so. genuinely do feel like I need to watch it. It's
0: Sometimes. good times. Fun times. Well, um it is about that time where we gotta make like Chevy and Chase. So just leaves me to thank my co hosts. First, I wanna uh, thank Adam, our special guest, uh, much appreciated, and hopefully see you back on the podcast soon. Please God. And
3: Anton. Well, Mr. Sot finally got what he wanted. Maruka went first. <laughs> 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 <Brutal>. uh, <Stop. laughs> that was one of Now, that, that, or the politician one, was my favourite Grandpa Joe Lan.
2: And Ian. I'm sorry. All questions must be submitted in writing. That does it for this week. Uh, remember, folks,
0: your futures haven't been written yet. No one's has. Your next movie is whatever you make it, so make it a good one.